0: Let's rock and roll. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have Mercurius, who just released a banger of a single. They're about to release another banger of a single, and I'm being presumptuous because I I actually don't know. I'm just assuming, Ralph, that it's a banger of a single. And then they're going to continue to release. More bangers as singles, and my credibility is on the line here. I don't actually know, but I'm hoping that they don't suck and that my credibility is shot. <laughs> but, but, Ralph, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, John. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely great to have you on. Uh, I remember Mish reached out to me and said, check this band out, and I listened to it. And aside from the fact that it's a great song, the snare drum, I was like, man... I want to carry that snare drum with me everywhere I go.
1: Oh, that's great. I think our drummer is going to be absolutely like ecstatic <laughs> that you said that about the snare drum.
0: <laughs> it's such an important part of the song.
1: 100%. It really really is. It can actually make or break a mix. And in that particular mix, you know, I don't think our uh, drummer was like completely happy with how the snare drum ha- uh came out, but you know, I always found that Sometimes drummers are never completely satisfied with their drum tones, no matter what.
0: I know. It's like guitar players. If you were to ask them, hey, did you want to re-record the guitar? Yes, every time.
1: Oh, 100%. A good tone only lasts for about a minute. Mm -hmm. You you, you search for a great tone your whole life, and then you die never finding one.
0: That sounds almost depressing, but it's one of the best revelations I've ever heard. (laughs) And you are a guitar player, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. I imagine Guitar Tone is kind of like watching a fireworks show. You see the fireworks go off, you're like, there it is, and then the fireworks are gone, and reality hits.
1: That's more or less it. I think that's actually what happens. You just get used to it and you go, I'm bored, and then you start looking for something else.
0: Yeah. Now, I guess maybe you take us through this track, because you're mixing some genres together. Um, did you guys run into any kind of problems with, with that, with... Um particularly finding guitar tones? Because the whole thing seems seamless to me.
1: Not really. Like, as far as guitar tones go, there's only really two that's being used there. It's um, a three, sort of. You've got just the main sort of heavy uh, guitar tone, and then you've got sort of the intro clean tone, which has like a few little um, sort of effects, like flanger and phaser. And then you have sort of the clean tone that's just more of a, like a regular sort of clean guitar. So with a clean guitar in particular in the verses, I was going for something that would sound somewhat kind of like a 80s clean tone kind of thing. You know, something you might hear in like 80s pop song, like something from like a Michael Jackson or a Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the heavy tone goes, you know, I just approached it the way I would approach any kind of like metal or rock song. I just wanted something with the same characteristics I've always want. you know, something just like sort of heavy tight, but not super saturated because I think there are parts in the song that you could say are, um, you know, sound kind of, I suppose like classic heavy metal, like this one part that's probably similar to like a sort of Van Halen bit. So I wanted something that was heavy, but not like too overdone.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Out of which stage of Eddie's career are we talking about as far as Van Halen guitar tone? Are we talking like for unlawful kernel knowledge where he used the Soldano 100?
1: I would probably the Soldano is a great amp for sure. So I used the Axe effects, but I used the EVH um 3 mm-hmm. model mm-hmm. so his most recent amp. Yeah. So I'd say probably he's more one of his more recent tones because his early tones are great but definitely um you know just like a lot of 1980s sort of 70s tones you want they weren't super distorted right so that's the model that
0: i use the evh3 okay very cool so definitely more yeah more modern stuff um very cool i listened to that snare drum, by the way huge yeah he just went on his ipad and listened to the song and he's like that snare drum is huge. Yeah, I, I want that for a sample, basically, is what I'm saying. Whoa. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so good. I'll try to
1: deliver that to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys want to give up your snare samples, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people covet that. They're like, no. Well, uh
1: Engineer will be very happy with that, at least. Mm-hmm. That's great.
0: Yeah. Sweet. Now, 80's clean guitar tone, that's that's a stellar one, because that, that could be a few different things. I read... Uh, at one point, that is actually a DI straight into the board and compressed like hell, and then adding a chorus effect to it. Did you do something like that?
1: Um, I used the Axe Effects once again. I can't quite remember the model. I think it was a, some offender a uh, amp model of some kind. Um, and then through the Axe Effects, there is definitely a compressor, uh, compressor there. Um, with a chorus and a few other sort of smaller effects more or less yeah more or less but there is an amp model there somewhere to help sort of like give it that tone
0: okay sounds like the axe effects is being used quite a bit it's the thing that i use for all the guitar tones
1: it's an amazing thing it makes it so easy to record makes it so easy to re-record if you go back and especially when i'm editing the guitars getting it ready for it to be mixed you know sometimes i'll hear something and go oh, you know i really did not play that that well you know just to go back it everything is saved just slap on some new strings and go for it again Um uh, so it's a it's a brilliant sort of little machine absolutely love it
0: mm-hmm. do you use that live as well or is it just for studio stuff live as
1: well i bought it predominantly to play it live um But it just works so well for the studio as well. Um, It's just, it's my everything rig now, pretty much.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Funny story, I was uh, reading an article about uh, an artist who was recording, and they went to the studio, recorded every single amp that they had, and it was a large studio, like one of the remaining ones left that's that's large, and they had a large collection of amps. They recorded everything, EVH, uh, Rectifier, everything. Came back. Said none of it works. It's too big, so they ended up finding a tone that they made on their Axe Effects and used that on the album. And I thought that that was interesting. Sometimes this stuff sounds better than the real thing, Ralph.
1: Yeah, that's it's. I can definitely understand that because getting the right mic position, getting the right sort of um, signal, and I suppose EQ with a real amp is challenging. Like in the hands of an expert engineer, I'm sure you can engineer something that's definitely better than an Axe or Axe FX, but, um, put in the hands of most people, then yeah, I think the Axe Effects is just the most reliable way to get a great tone.
0: hmm Now, coming up to this single revelation, what is this song about? Cause I know we chatted about that. You wanted to bring in a lot of different influences and, uh, the name Michael Jackson, uh came up which is um that's great uh i'm trying to think of some some way to to phrase it i don't really think that he was like a lot of times you listen to that old stuff you're like man there's a rock song hiding in there and i don't know that i necessarily got that vibe out of um michael but i definitely listened to a lot of his older stuff because the mixes are great the production is fantastic i mean you got quincy jones so it's you got tom jones tom jones is a different guy um but yeah you got you got Quincy Jones I mean absolutely incredible stuff especially off the wall I love listening to the off the wall album which
1: yeah yeah
0: you know uh some of that percussion I mean number one they had to actually record that percussion and perform that percussion um but Uh, incredible stuff so I guess lyrically what is this song about
1: yeah, so Risa vocalist wrote the lyrics, so I'll do my best to sort of interpret them, and they are kind of down to individual interpretation. So I suppose it's sort of about, um, I sort of have this elevator pitch for it, but I sort of can't quite recall it now. But I guess um, it's a little bit about sort of the social injustice and the sort of growing inequalities that we see in the world that sort of, you know, driven through, um, I suppose, you know, the upper tiers of um, wealth holders you know the 1% as you say and the I suppose impacts they're having on the economy, the financial market and the um, the earth you know as far as um, the climate goes and the fact that we are so willing to sell all these sort of essential things central parts of our society and our own internal like physical and mental health for the sake of a dollar. So it is very kind of driven by that theme. Um, and it, it, it's interesting because when, um, so Nick the keyboardist and I wrote this song, um, the, the music I always envisioned there to be quite more positive lyrics. Um, something kind of like bouncy, a little bit more fun, but Reese came in with these lyrics that just really turned this almost into an anthem in a way. Um, there are some parts in there that are really driven percussively that um, just really work with Reese's vocals. And Reese has this like slight snarl and growl to his voice in certain parts. I think it really brings out that emotion.
0: Yeah. You know, the funny thing is I'm sure a lot of people in the world can, re- can relate to that Um, everything you just said there, but we just actually finished chatting with another band in Australia that was writing about the exact same thing. I'm just curious. Is it something that is a strong sentiment right now in Australia?
1: I think, I think so for sure. It has been for the last few years. Um, We've seen, you know, as you, uh, as you may or may not know, I'm not sure, but we have a lot of, you know, amazing natural landscapes and a lot of just beautiful nature down in Australia. Um, We have, for example, the Great Barrier Reef, which is known all around the world um, that is slowly dying and our governments have not been able to intervene in the way that we had all hoped. I think there is, you know, depending on the age group, I think you would ask, there is a growing dissatisfaction with the federal government um, in how they've handled climate change policies. We've seen Joe Biden, I think he's just announced his um, goal to cut emissions in half by 2030. Um, by comparison, I can't quite recall the target that we've set for ourselves, but by global comparison, it's quite low. It's 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 a very poor target. And, you know, our prime minister has been scolded by other world leaders, particularly UK's Boris Johnson, about his... Um, about his stance on climate change. So I think because of that, it has drawn a lot more criticism from Australians. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just that, yeah, we just haven't seen that leadership here in Australia like there are in other uh, democracies in the world on that issue.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're getting bagged on by Boris Johnson.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you have an issue, right?
0: (laughs) You got a real problem. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Guess so. Well, that's nice of Mr. Biden. We'll see if if uh, Americans vote him out, and then they change it.
1: <clears throat> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I don't mean um, to sound too terribly uh, cynical, but uh, I've dealt with them and their shit long enough. Yeah, um, I think. Me too. <laughs> I think me too. I'm just at that point in the pandemic where I'm like, screw America, man. Like, just, just yeah. I wish. I, I wish I was there right now. I. Why would you wish to be in America right now? Oh. America, I, yeah. thought, I thought you said Australia. No, Australia would be cool. We'd be able to do things. Yeah, if we it's, were right now, we would be
1: able velocity. to do it. I'm so sorry to tell you. We've yeah. had a very normal life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Groovy. Groovy. Okay, so now, uh, so far we've chatted about snare drums, 80s clean guitar tone. We chatted about uh, EVH 5153. and do you guys start chatting about Cobra Kai. <laughs> When did we start? We haven't chatted about Cobra Kai at all. Uh, Ralph, do you want to chat about Cobra Kai?
1: Um, I don't really know what that is. Is that a TV show? It is a TV show. I've not
0: seen it. Okay. Is it good? It is yeah, alarmingly good. It is uh Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's it's a gritty oh. gritty drama. Uh is this the Karate Kid thing? Yes, it is.
1: Uh, I've heard of it, yes. My friend recommended it to me the other day.
0: Yeah. If you feel like getting sucked into um an overly dramatic show for absolutely no reason. I think that it's, it's great. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. I just finished watching OJ Simpson versus the people and that was very overly dramatic.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Were you old enough to to live through those times, Ralph?
1: Uh no. I would have been I'm 29 now, so I would have been maybe 4 or 5. I remember when Princess Diana died, but I don't I wasn't old enough to live through that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Maybe a little less no, I guess it depends on who you are. I mean slamming into a bridge in a car um and kind of like incinerating on impact is definitely dramatic. So I, I remember that. Uh Princess Die. Uh yeah, no, I remember watching the the chase on TV uh with OJ yeah, right. with, with OJ and all that. And the trial. If the glove does not fit, you must acquit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now we chatted about uh Revelation quite a bit and um what's going on there. Next one is, you mentioned that you guys have a single coming up called The Fade. Now, yeah. I haven't heard it yet, so I'm going to trust that it's good. What can you tell us about this track?
1: Um, we really love it. We think it's it's different to Revelation. Um, so Revelation, where you have some of those funky elements, you've got um, a very loud brass section. We don't really have that with uh, The Fade. The Fade is a lot more inspired by, the, if I had to pick one band, I'd say Muse. Um, there's definitely bits heavier than Muse in there for sure. Um, but I'd say it's that kind of Muse-y, carnival kind of sound. Um, a lot more prog metal, like, you know, I think Revelation kind of, Definitely has a lot of unique flavors. I'd say this one just sounds more like sort of like a prog metal track. Um, Since involved, yeah, I think still uh, has that playful kind of like funky drive to it, but not in the same way as Revelation. Um, So I think, yeah, I think people really enjoy it. It's very groovy. Um, I absolutely love the chorus. Uh, Reese did just an incredible job with it. Hopefully people love it as much as we do.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I th- can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Mish should. And I think in a lot
1: of ways the snare sounds better. So let's see what happens. Whoa. Let's see what you guys wait, think. I'd love what? to hear your opinions he on the said? snare.
0: Whoa. He says the snare sounds better in the fade. It, actually, it sounds different. I think it's going to be 100% a subjective thing. Now, could that be a tempo thing? the The snare can blossom more because it's a slower tempo?
1: That's potentially true. Yeah, it is a little bit slower. So it's a little bit, um, there's a lot more space in there. I think Revelation, the nature of the track, it needed that kind of bombastic sort of snare where this one is just a little bit more pulled out. Okay.
0: Okay. I guess my next question is um, because since I'm, I'm hearing Revelation, I'm kind of expecting the singles to follow to kind of sound like that or follow that vein. Is there an intention in making it sound. Cohesive or is there absolutely no intention in, in cohesive? Just here's a single and and uh, dance away.
1: Cohesive to an extent. So we could, with all the songs that we have that we're going to be releasing, I'd say each of them have enough similarities where you can hear a mercurious sound. Um, it's, I would say that... So there was one point where we were looking at this and we're thinking maybe we break this down as an EP or into individual EPs or collections and we call it seasons or something. And this would be like the summer tracks, which would be like a revelation. And then this one would be like maybe an autumn track or a winter track, which are a little bit darker, a little bit more melancholic, uh, which the fade is. And, there is definitely a few narratives we've come up with to tie it together. But if you were just listening to them, I think they probably, they do sound more like they're not, they, there's no real obvious like concept or anything to tie them all together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just because of the nature. When we first started writing these songs, Nick and I had just finished up our previous band and we just wanted to write songs of any description. And, These all came out roughly in the vein of prog metal and rock, uh, but we've just gone for it. And, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, you know, sometimes we feel like there's no real, um, there's no specific sound that we've gone for, but I think there's enough of a flavor where we could get away with it. Um, You know, you look at bands like Muse, Queen, and definitely not comparing us to those bands, but those bands have managed to create a a whole catalog of songs that, have they have experimented and they've gone with lots of different sounds and they've managed to make it work. So we're hoping that the songs are good enough on their own, that people just enjoy them for what they are rather than, you know, I know that a lot of albums these days are very conceptual, but we haven't really gone that with that, gone with um going in that direction with these songs, maybe in the future, maybe there is an album, maybe after this, we'll start to think about maybe a concept album or something. We're not sure.
0: Mhm. Okay. Now, I noticed in Revelation you were mentioning Michael Jackson in the Fade you're mentioning Muse. Is mm. do you kind of focus on a particular influence for a track when you're working on it or is that just a coincidence?
1: It's more uh it's definitely a coincidence. So definitely don't go into a track being like, you know, let's make this one more like Muse. We might I think once we start writing, we kind of go, okay, what's this starting to sound like? And obviously through our influences, that's going to show through our, um, our music. So in this case, we start writing it. And obviously subconsciously so we're probably drawing on Muse and all these other bands. Um, and maybe as we start to polish it, we're like, okay, well, if this is starting to sound like this sort of artist, what are some of the things, maybe some of the ideas or influences we could borrow from that? to make it more like this. Like for example, with Revelation, um, don't stop till you get enough. Mm-hmm. We try to look at some of the ways that they use brass to emphasize certain um, some of the rhythms. And that kind of, you know, influenced us with the did it do like that you hear throughout Revelation. So in small ways like that, we kind of draw on our influences. But it's not like we have this um Photo of Michael Jackson on the wall or Muse, and we go, Okay, let's write like them, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah, in the middle of a session, getting angry, guys, and you start pointing at the wall, Would Michael approve of this? <laughs> yeah, exactly
1: right. Yeah, exactly right.
0: That baseline doesn't sound like Muse would write it, and you start getting mad.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> cool. Uh, then, I guess you mentioned it was, you know, some of the stuff that Michael Jackson did. Do you then follow? Uh, like the producer, like, do you take a look at maybe of other, other, uh, of Quincy Jones's stuff?
1: Not specifically Quincy, but you know, we have looked at, uh, like for example, I, I don't know if he was involved, but Rick James, like some of his music is <laughs> very like funky. Um, and you know, looking at even modern day, like great producers like Childish Gambino, for example, um, I mean, I, you probably couldn't hear any childish Gambino influence there, but we do look at a lot of great, like contemporary producers, and see what they're doing, see if there's any kind of interesting sounds we could use, and of course, like a plethora of rock and metal. I know I've talked about a whole lot of pop songs, but I'm still very much a a metalhead. You know, like I love bands like Opeth. Uh, the reason I started playing guitar and learning guitar is bands like Megadeth, for example. So one of my favorite guitarists is Marty Friedman, which is a big influence on my um, like my solo playing, my lead playing. Um, so I do draw a lot of influence from a lot of um, rock and metal bands. I've been particularly loving bands like Leprous lately, a uh, prog metal band from um, Norway which Uh are, yeah, just phenomenal, really great songwriters. And yeah, been looking at mostly at how people, rather than, I think when I was younger, I'd look at, I'd try to listen out for riffs and technical um, songwriting and how fast they can play. But these days I just look for bands that just write good songs and try to find, try to understand what makes their songs sound so great. And, you know, in my own way, try to replicate that.
0: Uh Mm-hmm. Groovy. Groovy, baby. All right, so we chatted about snare drums on Revelation and the Fade. We chatted <laughs> about... Michael Jackson, Don't Step Enough. Michael Jackson. We chatted about uh, Quincy a little bit. Mostly Michael Jackson, though. We chatted about the old EVH. We, we chatted about slower tempos for more snare samples for Descent to Me. <laughs> yeah, we chatted about uh, does the tempo make a difference on the snare's ability to blossom? Probably and does. Of course it does. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We chatted about the two singles, one that's out now, one that will be coming out. And by the time this interview airs, it probably will be out uh, the fade. And then the Mm -hmm. the plan is to continue to come out with more singles. And we kind of chatted a little bit about the direction of those singles. Is it cohesive uh, to Revelation and the fade? We just finished chatting about that. Um, Is there anything that I missed, Ralph?
1: No, that sounds great.
0: Okay beautiful well thank you so much for coming on to the rock Metal podcast today
1: thank you so much for having
0: me it's been a great chat okay, go ahead stop please sweetie